usually we just go out to eat. We decided a long time ago that was good. He used to buy all the expensive flowers and all that, and I said, let's just go out to eat. <laughs> I'm not sure what Christine's going to want to do. We've got a couple things in the making, but we're not sure. This, uh, For those of you, real quick shout-out, for those of you who are in southeastern Colorado and you like to do things with the picket wire players, uh, tomorrow evening is the Valentine's Day Jubilee singing Really? Variety show. I think it's called cool. the Valentine's Day Variety Show. Uh, tomorrow at the Picket Wire, 7.30 p.m., $12 a ticket. You can go and uh, Jess, who's a co-host of mine on another show, the Derek and Jess show on YouTube, Derek and Jess and the Family Jess, will be singing uh, Lucky with her husband. Oh, cool. With Joe. So uh, if you get a chance and you, you want to take your sweetie out there, go to dinner and then head by the Picket Wire to see the Valentine's Day variety show. It should be good. A lot of different singing and, and all those oh, kind of cool. things. Yeah. Takes a little while to put together. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Uh, yeah, we're starting a brand new study that we're talking about, but before we do that, let's go ahead and open with prayer. Okay, sounds good. Father God, we thank you uh, that we have this opportunity to come together to share this new study called Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. And so, Lord, we pray that. We pray and we confess that sometimes, most of the times, our attitudes are just stinky. Uh, and we know that that doesn't please you. So we are all in the business of pleasing you, Father God. And so we pray that you would speak to us. Uh, be with us in this study that our attitude might change, uh, that we might be willing and brave enough to change it. So, Father God, we give this time to you. We pray for all who are listening, uh, that you might bless them, that uh, their heart might be filled with your love, and that they might be guided by your Spirit. So we give this time to you in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is we're, we're starting this study, and uh, we, we talked a little bit about it last, uh, last time we met. We didn't meet last week. I had a meeting that I had to go to, but, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a book by uh, James McDonald, and it's an older book. It is, 2004, I think 2004, it and it's called, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. Mm. I don't want to live in the wilderness. i got to get busy <laughs> down that road. I like that phrase, before it's too late. This is one of those books, again, written by James McDonald III by Erwin Lutzer. And it's one of those books that you could probably look at or see on the shelf, be excited by the uh, by the title, yes. and say, you know, that fits me. It fits everybody. I need that. Yeah, I need that. Mm -hmm. And it might be one of those that you pick up and say, boy, that's a lot of words, and that's well, and, and pass on. You know what? I ordered mine as a used book. I always yeah. do. I noticed the guy quit before the second chapter because he was marking in it. Yep. He, I don't believe he finished the book. <laughs> yeah, bad attitude. Right here, he quit on page uh, 49. And he quit on page 49. He did not a mark in the book after that. He quit on page 49. And I thought, well, he, but maybe he needed that just that much to change at that sure. point in time. Yeah, and well, who knows, maybe. Um, probably not, though. He <laughs> probably just quit. It's hard work, is what we're saying. This is one of those books that starts, you really, and, and I did exactly what he said people would do. 
I skipped to the first chapter, and right at the beginning of the first chapter, he says, Go back. Go back. You missed the introduction. I know you did. I didn't. I, I read did. it. I did. <laughs> Uh, that's what he says. I know you did. Go back. You got to read it. And and really, you got to go back to the invitation. Absolutely. Because in that invitation, he asks five important questions uh, that that really set the the basis for this this whole book. And the first one that he asks is, Are you open to considering? what the Lord has to say about changing your attitude. And that's important because if you're not, and, and I think in all these questions, if the answer is no, you should probably put this book away. Right, until you're ready. Yeah, because this book isn't for you. Well, that's what I was saying before about you, you've got to be ready to change yourself. Yeah. Absolutely, or it's not going to work. And so that's the first question that he asks. Uh, and then he goes on to the second question. And, and I think in each one of these questions, Uh, He gets more and more specific. He says, are you willing to be changed? (laughs) And and they're getting harder and harder. He asks that in the second question. He goes on to the third question because, uh, really, if you're looking at that and saying, am I willing to be changed? Then he says, are you willing to change your attitude? Now it's getting a little harder and a little more. There's a difference between that of, I want my attitude to change, but are you willing to change it? That gets into a definition of complaining that we're going to be talking about later on. Then he goes on to the next question after saying, are you willing to change uh, your attitude? And uh, let's see if we can, are you willing to focus exclusively on your attitude. Indeed. Exclusively on your attitude. And so that's getting even harder and harder and finally goes on to the to the fifth question after asking that, are you willing to focus exclusively? He says, Are you willing to go after this change of attitude with urgency? And so this is what he's done in those first five questions. He's he's made it all about this. Mm-hmm. It and and said this has to be the focus. Right. This this has to be it. If 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 you're not willing to do this, <clears throat> if you're not willing to have a sense of urgency about changing my attitude, if you're not willing to do this exclusively, then something. Well, he lets us know. He lets us know by his Bible passages why it is so urgent too. You right. live in the desert. You live in wilderness. You live unhappy if you don't do right. it with urgency. And so what he does is, in, in this introduction, he basically sets uh, the, the mood and gets us into a great explanation example of a group of individuals who complained a lot, <laughs> who had a bad attitude. attitude. And as always in Scripture in the Old Testament, if we want to find people... Uh, as an example of how we should live and not live, we turn to the Israelites. Because those were God's chosen people. Those were the ones that he used to say, this is right, this is wrong. Uh, and, And so he spends a lot of time in the book of Numbers. And uh, he... He's talking about this Numbers 14.7.9 and I don't think we have to go back and rehash the whole idea of what happened. Obviously, they're with Moses. They're wandering in the wilderness. They're on their way to find this promised land, and they are encountering no water, no food. Obstacles would be a, a, a better word. A, I'm sure you know, they had plenty. Yeah, I, I, I just, but 
but at, at some point in time, they get close to this promised land mm-hmm. after generations of of how many years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, forty years of of doing that of. Of saying we need this, we have no food. Oh, God gave us food. We have no water. Oh, we have water. They went back in the forty years. They sure, were. yeah, yeah. So, but they, they they're constantly. I want. Requ- I, I I want. I need requiring something of God, getting it, not being that appreciative of it. Maybe and the at problem the is they were supposed to know it. Right. That's where the That's real right. issue comes in. Is they're supposed to know the thankfulness in right. their heart. That's right. You, they, 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 we have a reaction from a group of people who aren't supposed to be reacting this way. Right. They're supposed to already have this down pat, right. which none of us do. The thankfulness of God they missed. The expectation of faith that God will provide they missed. So in general, uh, us today. We're them. That's what I was going to say. We're them. Yeah, we're them. But he talks about this. And so what happens is they come across... Um, uh, they're going to go scout mm-hmm. the promised land to find out what's spies. going on. Yes, the, the ten spies. And it says in Numbers fourteen seven, it says, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Now, what I'm reading is this minority report. I'm going to go back and do it. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. This phrase right here is is not the 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 report that came back. This is a minority report right. of two people. So what you're getting is two different, because the other report came back and said, we can't do this. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. So that's a, that's an example of scripture that that is um, not trusting in God, not having the faith. But these these this one minority report came back, and these few people said, "Hey, if the Lord is pleased with us, He'll lead us into that land." This is the example of the good attitude. The major, trusting. The trusting. The major report came back and said, just like it had for forty years. What we the heck? Do it. I need a promised land. What the heck? We can't do it. You mean I got to fight for it? I got to do all this. And so Numbers fourteen seven and through nine gives us this example of this of these few people who said we can do this. We can do this. But God gets angry, and He goes on in Numbers eleven and twelve and speaks to the majority report of those people who said we can't do this. What I think though is is amusing, well not amusing, yeah. but enlightening. Uh-huh. You have 10 people, 10. 8 had the negative and t- two. only 2 20%. had the positive. Yep. And I thought that was a horrible percentage rate. And I think it's indicative and I think it's advantageous uh to say before we read this scripture that of all the individuals in the Israelites who were wandering in the wilderness, mm-hmm. not all of them had faithlessness. Not all of them were lacking faith. We say that a lot. All the Israelites, they wanted food, they got food, they complained about it, they wanted water, they got water, they complained. Not all of them were like that. And so I think this is indicative probably of mm-hmm. of maybe that 20% or whatever. But 10 went out, 8 came back and said, we can't do it. 2 came back and said, we can. 
God comes down and he says to Moses, how long will these people treat me with with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. And so, uh, once again, God gets to the end of his rope with these people. And we see it in Numbers, and we see it in Judges, and we see it over and over again, how the Israelites come to God, uh, get from God what they need, and then retreat from God, because either now they're not satisfied with or wanting more, or they begin to believe that they succeeded because of themselves, not because of God. True. Which, is hap- which happens over and over and over in the, in the book of Judges. They never look at the trial as what they have to do. Right. Yeah. And, and I, think that, I think that that's true. And so he's, uh, James McDonald is using this, this basis, this wandering in the waters, the reaction of the Israelites to form the basis of how we change our attitude. Not only an example of negative attitude, bad attitude, but an example of good attitude and how it has changed. Not unlike the majority report that comes back, and eight out of ten say, "This is we can't do this," and the two that come back and says, "We can do this if the Lord is pleased with us." Well, it shows us how we fall off the wagon too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was what I was I was thinking about mine because I used to not have a critical attitude in a couple areas, and I noticed I have fallen off, and I've became the the greater amount and right. murmuring about it now. Right. And so he goes on and he talks about what the problem was. Uh, uh, This was the problem that the Israelites uh, experienced, that the Israelites uh, fell into, and the problem was murmurings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was the the thing. And I love the way um, that that he talks about this. Uh, He says the original word is actually an example of a universal language habit. And I love this because he relates it to onomatopoeia. I like that. <laughs> and onomatopoeia, I love onomatopoeia. Because onomatopoeia is, is uh, the usage of a word that also uh, sounds like that word. Or, you know, ding, ping, bong. I think his example was drip. It was drip that, that he used. And murmurings falls into this, I'm, I'm murmuring. And he has this big, giant, long word, murmur, murmur, waza, waza, hasen, murmur, murmur, you know. It, it, and how many people were doing that? And he says, he says, you almost feel like you're doing it when you're saying it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's, and everyone can relate to the idea of murmurings. Mm. There are murmurings going on in the town. There are murmurings in the church of this and that. For your kids, yeah. because they want to go to this. Right. That That's it. He said, if you would forgive the modern parlance, it makes God crazy. God absolutely hates the contrary, doubtful, rebellious attitude. He despises it, and he simply will not tolerate it. And he said that in Numbers 11 and 12. How long will these people do this? These murmurings that are going on. And you can almost imagine the murmurings in the desert. Oh, Moses, he brought us out here and we, he's gonna, we're going to die of starvation. He says that God's going to be faithful to us and we've got no food. And, and the murmurings go on and then the manna falls from the sky. 
and you, there almost has to be some sort of a, uh, a, a a funny look on people's face. Oh well, we got it, and we got the man. And then the man rings beginning. Is this all we get? Is the man? I'm so sick and tired of man. I want meat. Maybe if we go off on our own. Maybe if we don't follow Moses anymore. And you can hear the murmurings. That are going you can hear it in your church, in your family, in your friends. That are influencing and changing attitudes. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what he... It's contagious. Yeah. And so he talks about in this, <clears throat> this uh, introduction, and we'll get through the introduction, uh, and then we'll take a break, and then we come back, we'll hit chapter one. Uh, but I like this... One part where he says, but hey, that was then. He says, you say, come on, what does this have to do with me? This happened more than 3,000 years ago. And I can hear people saying that in the church. Why do you always pull the Israelites who are wandering in in the wilderness out? Why do we always have to use that example? Because it fits. (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) You know, this is written for a reference. The Bible is written for a reference for us even now. Yeah. He says, you don't mean to tell me that God still feels the same way as he felt about their bad attitudes back then. (laughs) And he goes on to say, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. God doesn't change. Why would God become accustomed and begin to tolerate Yes. Uh, because that's what people do. Sure. So God doesn't do that. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But people, we change. With Including President Obama. Maybe we should get off our high horse. Uh, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> you had a, uh, oh, Derek and George went off. We went off about that, about the prayer breakfast. I heard that. Yeah. Anyway, there is that idea and that attitude uh, that... That you know what? Those were the people back then. We're more enlightened now. God loves us more now. He's God's more tolerant of us now. And the answer is, you're crazy. He's that. not. No. That which he hated then, he hates he now. Uh, and so it, it's very good for us. We we're taught to learn from history. We were given these examples in Scripture because they were supposed to teach us. Yes. He says, I believe we may be living in the last days. That's, those are his words. Most students of scripture agree that every sign indicates the return of Christ and the end of ages might be very near. I don't know. I'm, I, don't want to, I don't get into that. All the more reason that we should embrace God's dealings. With that, I, it, the only thing I would differ with him is I don't need to think that it's the end. We shouldn't have to think that it's the end of the ages. To embrace what God wants no. us to do. The only way I look at it is we're on our way to that Christ is returning, and that will be a, a good every, thing. It, so that's the only way. The only thing I know for sure is every day we get one day closer. Yeah, that's all I know. That, I agree. <laughs> there you go. I agree with that. That's all I know. I don't really like it when authors do that. It doesn't deter from the book or anything. I just don't like it when we do when we if it if it serves as a, as a reason for people and an impetus for people. That's that's great, but whatever. That little shove to get you to do it. He talks about being ready for the takeoff. He says, I know it has taken longer than normal for you to be ready to head into the content of this book because he made us go back and read the introduction. (laughs) Again. He says, we've built a great launch pad. We've decided that you believe attitudes are critically important for your life, and we've got to believe that, that attitudes are critically important, that we understand that attitudes are important to God because they are. Attitudes 
directly impact choices. And choices are, is all about God. Mm-hmm. It's all about God. We understand that there are serious wilderness consequences to wrong attitudes. We know that because we know the history of the Israelites. You've decided that you want to change your attitude. You want your attitudes to change. You have embraced the idea that you can't change your attitude without God's help. That's vital. Very That's good. vital because what will happen is you can change them for a couple of days, or maybe a week, or maybe a couple of months. But you, sooner or later, you fall, fall back. back into that habit. Mm-hmm. Of the bad attitude. I always think of that with dieting. You, oh, you do it on your own willpower and you lose your 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds. And then as soon as you give up on your willpower, you're done. It has to be a change of your attitude, a change of your life. Absolutely. And we do that every January 1st. <laughs> we, we decide we're going to change our attitudes. We're going to change our actions. We're going to change our choices. And we fall right back. Right around February 14th. <laughs> Don't say it Valentine's that Valentine's Day. And it all comes crashing down on Friday the 13th. And that's why it Friday is the 13th. The, yeah. Oh. And he says you're willing to study God's word to learn which attitudes need to change and how to begin. I think he does a great job in this introduction. Uh, not very often are introductions filled with that, with that much information, stuff. important yeah. stuff. I'll be the first one to say it. I skip them. Really? And I do yeah. not skip them. Really? Nope. I skip them. Sometimes I skip the acknowledgments if I don't like the first part of it. I always have the uh, tendency to believe if, if what was in the introduction was, was important enough for you to put it in Chapter 1. <laughs> I know that's horrible to say. <laughs> hey, Patty Sheen's in the in the chat room. Good morning, Pat. All the, all the way from, what is it, Shroom Lake or Shroom Lake or Shroom Lake or wherever it is, it's there in New York, and Patty is in her element. She left the sunny confines of Lana, Colorado. Went to snow. And went to snow. Yeah, and and she probably will because we're, we're she'll probably call in because we're going to do a test. Uh, to make sure that that her phone works, because on oh, Tuesday she's going to. we have literally speaking with Patty Sheen, and we're testing. She's going to be doing the show live from Scoon Shroom, oh, cool. Tiny Toontown Lake. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, but yeah, that's so much in the introduction. This whole and this is where we're going to be headed for the next many weeks, all the way through Lent. Yes. Maybe past Easter, because attitude is that important. Because attitude impacts choices, and choices, again, are everything. Mm-hmm. The choices that we make. And so um, it's it's just one of those things that, that we have to. Um, this is how you become Christ-like. Yes. Yes. Go and on. not only that, it's not only becoming Christ-like within us. Attitudes then impart to other people mm-hmm. what Christ looks like. That's right. And so really the, the litmus test right at the beginning of this whole idea and the answering of those questions, do I need to change my attitude, is when people look at your attitudes and the choices that you make based on those attitudes, do they see Christ? Do. And are you going to answer it in truth? Yeah, are you going to be honest? Yeah. <laughs> Because our first, first reaction is to see absolutely they do. Really? Good. Let, okay. me, let me go ask other people. <laughs> yeah. 
funny how you said yes and ten people said no. What? what and, and our reaction then is they're crazy. They don't know. Well, there's always a but or a well, yeah. you know, yeah. an excuse or whatever on that. Or, or there is that anticipation of, I would hope that they do. Or what? Here's what we really say: they should. <laughs> of course they should. But do they? Well, they should. They should. Uh, that's not the question. You're trying not to make enemies with that answer. Right. Right. And so that's what he's going to do. He's going to take us on in the in the chapter. Uh, chapter one, and and kind of give you an idea. We've got just a couple minutes before we go to break, but give you an idea of kind of the flow of how he does this. Uh, he takes an attitude, and it, this, these attitudes come from the attitudes of the Israelites. They come from attitudes of our daily lives. Right. And he, and then the next chapter he replaces it. Right. So he'll say we need to replace this attitude next chapter with this that attitude. attitude. Mm-hmm. And moves us on uh, through through the wilderness. You well, basically, he shows us what we look like, and then he shows us what we should look like. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. He holds us up to a mirror. Mm-hmm. Says, "This is you. This is what you, this this is what should be you. Right. This is what you look like. This is uh, not unlike the scripture that says we are like the people who look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what we look like." <laughs> Because we do. We look in the mirror and we say, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And we turn around and walk out into society and say, I'm good. You don't take the time to evaluate yeah. and change it. And change it. And that's why such a big emphasis was placed upon, are you willing to change this? Are you wanting to change this? Will you concentrate on this exclusively? Well, I liked in the front, he said, there has to have something happen mm-hmm. that you have a readiness to want to change, right? Whether it's a death, whether it's mm-hmm. a fight with a child or a spouse, right. a divorce, financial problems, you have to come to a point where you're ready for it. You're ready to change. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into chapter one, and we're going to replace this complaining attitude. Yeah. Uh, he's going to. We're going to we're talk going to about define that. it. We're going to define it, and and that might take a little bit because I think that's important. Uh, so we're going to do that, and. Uh, Move on into other things of of what he talks about complaining. We're talking about James McDonald's book, Lord, Change My Attitude and Do It Before It's Too Late. Stay with us on the other side of this break. You're listening to Becoming Christlike on Blog Talk Radio. Hello to all of Derek's listeners. Thanks, Derek, for giving me time to share my heart's passion, encouraging cancer, long-term illness patients, and their families. Gilead is an outreach that encourages over 2,400 people in 38 states. Our goal is to bring hope and help to those on the journey through the unknowns of treatment, family stress, and spiritual questions. One such story is Eric, whose senior year in high school was interrupted by the cancer that he was diagnosed with, interrupting a three-sport high school year. It changed his life and his perspective. Today, Eric's family oversees a foundation helping to find a cure. We're currently in our 15th year. would love to have you as a partner, either as a volunteer or a gift financially. Look for us on Facebook at Gilead Ministries. Salt as the voice of an Darkness is over. 
Graduation day is almost here. You've worked so hard, and now it's all paying off. Everyone will be telling you how proud they are. Give them one more thing to be proud of. Celebrate graduation safe and sober. Don't let drugs and alcohol threaten what you've worked so hard to achieve. This message is brought to you by Southeast Health Group, your local resource for drug and alcohol treatment. Call 1-800-511-5446 for more information about a safe and sober graduation. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like on the road less traveled, Blog Talk Radio. So you thought you had to keep this up. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like right here on Blog Talk Radio on the road less traveled. We are talking about James McDonald's book, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. And he, he talked a little bit about the, the Israelites and this murmuring and complaining, and we get into chapter 1, and he says, uh, he says, replace a complaining attitude. And in each one, he talks about saying it in a sentence. And, and that happens in each one of the chapters. There is a say it in a, a sentence, and he talks about that with complaining. Uh, and he says, complaining is an attitude. Uh, it is an attitude choice that, if left unchecked, will wither my capacity to experience joy and genuine thankfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the way that he put that by saying complaining is an attitude choice. It's yes. an attitude uh, choice. Some people don't think they get to choose it. Yeah, and that's that's exactly right. We're gonna bring uh, we're gonna bring Pat in, Patty Sheen. Uh, who who has uh, literally speaking uh, with Patty Sheen on Tuesday mornings? Let's see how it sounds. Pat, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you and Don doing today? Good. Are you enjoying that snow out there? Oh, I love it. I love it. It is minus 15 degrees out. <laughs> they have an advisory out encouraging people to stay indoors. It's 77 degrees in the studio here. I, I don't know what it is outside, Pat, but it, I've got to see some of the pictures on Facebook of the snow. Good. And, I'll be putting some more on there yet. And so there you were in your little parka and your hat, and you just seem to be in your element and so excited. <laughs> yes, I am. Now, hooking you in real quick before we have to let you go, because we were doing a test, and I have to tell you, uh, we're doing a test uh, because Patty's going to be in in New York uh, on Tuesday, and it sounds great. Good, good. So okay, it sounds great. I do but have I, a couple of other things to go over with you, Derek, and I will email you on that, so please watch for my email. Okay, that that will be great. But just to be able to hook this into this into what we're talking about, have you found that since leaving Colorado and its brutal heat uh, that that we've been experiencing lately, and going back to New York into your element of snow and cold has changed your attitude? Oh, probably. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you seem much happier now. <laughs> Have you had a snowball fight yet? You know what? I was I was going to get on. Well, my sister's probably listening in the other room. I was going to get on Facebook and challenge her to a big old snowball fight. Ooh! (laughs) She accepts my challenge. Just called her sister out on Facebook. Yeah, and on Blog Talk Radio now. (laughs) 
and blog talk right you know to millions of listeners right it's out there now it can't that's something you can't take back and we want that's the right. results that's oh, right definitely. so you you heard it first right here on Becoming Christ Like. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Patty Sheen has called out her sister for a snowball fight. And what is it? Is it school lake? Is it New York? Okay, right there in the little sleepy town. Yeah, in New York. Patty has called out. Patty, we're going to let you go. It was a perfect test. It sounds great. We're good for Tuesday. Wonderful. Uh, okay. And enjoy. Okay. And uh, we will, uh, I will get with you, and we will be looking, again, be looking for that. Everybody who's listening, literally speaking with Patty Sheen, Tuesday mornings, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Pat, enjoy. Stay inside. Stay warm. Uh, work on that attitude. Okay. We're enjoying right. the show. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. You know, and that's an interesting thing, because he does talk about that. Complaining is an attitude choice. And, and again, there's that word choice. Uh, that if left unchecked, will wither my capacity to experience joy and genuine thankfulness. That's a phrase that we should just keep in, in our hearts, in our minds. Yes. Um, what I also like, though, is he added the word joy, because I always grew up in my Christian walk hearing that the devil loves to steal your joy. Steal your joy. I got joy, joy, joy. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, here's another way of looking at it. We steal our own joy with our attitude. Right. And and he's talking specifically about this one, getting rid of the idea of complaining. Uh, if left unchecked. Mm. If left unchecked. So so we're not doing... We're being checked every day by the teacher. Right. And then he goes on to define complaining. Mm-hmm. And and I talked with you a little bit about this off air. And, and this is how he defines complaining. Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction with a circumstance that is not wrong and about which I'm doing nothing to correct. I love that definition in part. We talked a little bit about this. Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction with a circumstance that is not wrong. And he gives examples in in the book yes. um, ab- about, ex- uh, uh, about circumstances that are not wrong. And and I thought that they were really they were really good. He says, first of all, complaining is about things that are not wrong. If the thing is wrong and you express dissatisfaction, it's not complaining. It's not a sin to picket an abortion clinic. That's not complaining. It's not a sin to say my sp- to my spouse, we need to spend more time. That's not complaining. Complaining is grumbling about things that aren't wrong. And one of the things that he says at the beginning before that is, he boldly states complaining is a sin. Yes. That set me back for a minute. One, I think it would any reader because immediately... We say, oh, crap, I, say, I complain all the all time. All the time. I'm, 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 this is this huge thing. And, and what, what happens is we become a little bit defensive, and we become more of a person who says, all right, tell me how that's a sin. Because that's one that I do, and if you're going to say that, then you're going to have to – you're going to have to really uh, convince me of that. And we go back to the first questions. Are you ready to change that? <laughs> yeah, we find out that the answer wasn't really what we thought it was. Exactly. It moved from a definite to, geez, I don't know, maybe. Now that I know that it's a sin. 
He said the word sin literally means missing the mark, failing in regard to God's holy standard and just demands. So equating complaining with sin puts complaints in a dangerous category. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. Complaining is not a sin. I mean, it may not be a great thing, but a sin? I mean, stealing and lying and blasphemy, sure, because they're obvious. But complaining? I mean, who am I hurting? And he goes on to say that. Who am I really hurting Mm -hmm. when I complain? And his response is, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You lose that joy. Yeah, that's exactly right. You live in the wilderness. Yeah. He says, when you when you complain, you're choosing a response that does you harm rather than good. Our complaints may link, lead to anger, bitterness, and even depression. God loves you. He doesn't want you hurting yourself. What hurts you hurts him. So complaining hurts you both. And in that definition, hurting or complaining is a sin. That's right. And so he goes on and he moves and he, he de- defines that. Complaining is, an expressing, is expressing dissatisfaction with a circumstance that is not wrong. I had told you during the, uh, before we went on air, I, he gave a lot of definitions of things that weren't wrong. Um, I wish that, that, that he would have given me something that was wrong. You know, because here's the first thing that we, that we think. All complaining, I think, well, not all complaining, the majority of complaining, is based on things that we perceive to be wrong. Is it true or not? To us. Yes, is it true or not, though? That's, it's the lens we look through, the perspective of which we see it. That's exactly right. And that's where I have the problem, is seeing it through God's perspective, right. instead of through a human perspective. Is this something that I really is wrong to me, or is this something that's wrong to God? Right. And and so that's is really it wrong because I didn't get my way yeah. what I wanted. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's 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 the limit. Is it wrong because I'm suffering a consequence because of something I've done? Mm-hmm. I'm paying the price. It hurt my feelings. It wasn't. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it, nothing advantageous came to me because of it. Somebody else benefited from it. Somebody. Oh, that's worse yet. <laughs> or, or here's the big one. I think it's wrong because I disagreed with it, and they got their way. Oh. We came, we came up on a decision, and I had one, dis, uh, one opinion, and somebody else had another opinion, and, and they, they went with that one, and they won. they won. It's almost like the floodgates are opened, and now I have a reason to complain. Because what we do is we say, of course that's wrong. They were wrong. I was right. They were wrong, and that's where we miss the mark, because and that's we, not what he's talking about. We forget about. to look for what is the best for everyone, especially what God wants us to do, commands us to do. Right. That, that, that's exactly right. And so there was a little bit for me, a little bit of work in the first part, but I think the weightiness, the heaviness, the importance of the complaining definition lies in the end of it, is not wrong, and about which I'm doing nothing about to correct it. That's right. I'm not doing anything um, to, to fix it. Exactly. And I think that's where the big part... Well, like we talked on break, I said you complain about the president. Did you vote? That's what right. else are you doing besides just voting? Are you writing your congressman? Right. Are you talking about it? Now, that doesn't give you the right to go out and be vengeful. No. No. You, know, you do have a right to state your opinion. Here is the example of the abortion clinic. Yes. The mm-hmm. idea of 
do I just sit there and complain about abortion, or do I do something about it? Um, do do I pray about it? Do I like you donate said? Money. Do I donate money? Those types of things. And I think that's the biggest thing that we fall into. I'm sure the majority of us get the the wrong and right mixed up, but most of us, in our complaining, there is an element of, I'm not doing anything about it. It's just more fun to sit back and complain. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, those attitudes that that he's talking about, those things, the, the bitterness, the anger, the depression, it sets in. And because we're not doing anything to change it, because all we're doing is sitting there complaining, oh, I want something more than manna. Where's my water? It's so hot in the desert. Um, it, then what happens is we become angry. We become bitter. We become depressed. We hurt ourselves, and in hurting ourselves, we hurt God. And we hurt other people. And we hurt other people. And make it contagious. That, that's exactly right. And that's why he's talking about we've got to we've got to change this attitude of complaining, which is probably the predominant attitude that that existed within the, the wandering in the wilderness and today. I agree. Because he asked the question in in the chapters, does is this really a problem? Do people complain? And his his comment was, turn on any computer and go online. Read any newspaper. Yes. Somebody's complaining about somebody. The nightly news is bad enough. Lying, Brian. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but we complain uh, uh, about it, and and it is it is almost complaining. And he talks about this through the book. He talks about how common the problem is. It was common back then, 3,000 years ago, and it hasn't oh, yeah. changed. Yeah. And then and he talks about the worst kind of complaining. He says, this is an important point. God hears our complaining about the weather and the traffic and the taxes and the social decline and our age and whatever else we complain about. I thought that was interesting. I picked those because those are common. Right. Uh, but there's one particular kind of complaining that grates most on, of all on the ears of God. And he talks about Numbers 11. Um, people came, became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. That's the worst kind of complaining there is, complaining about adversity. And man, oh man, that, that was hit hard. home. Yes, it did. Because I, I will tell you why. I, I will tell you why. I think it. I think it is one of the most common ones. Even though we listed these other ones, it is common because when we complain about adversity, and I'm I'm up in line, first in line of this, there is a sense that we are justified in doing it. Mm-hmm. Because you know what, you've had a hard life. And you don't I know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through, and I. I have the right to complain after all I've done. And and this is why this book hit me home, and this is why I brought it to your attention. This uncommon little book that I found on my shelf, that I started to read, and the first chapter, grabbed a hold of me and said, "I'm talking to you. You're complaining about adversity." And the problem is this, especially especially with those who have struggled in life. Let's be honest. Everyone struggles in life. It's just a different struggle. But when people enforce that, reinforce that in your life, when they say to you, 
you know what, you, you deserve, you, you, it's all right for you to complain, you've had a hard life. People will say that to me, and it, it's almost like food. It becomes it, your main focus. It, it becomes my main focus. And now, okay, I'm justified not only because I think so, but now guess what everybody else does? And so you're choosing it. And and what I have become is that wanderer in the wilderness with no joy. With no joy because. Focusing on the past bitterness of life. All I can complain about is not 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 the excitement of being on my way to the promised land. And, and I'm not talking about dead and gone in heaven. I'm talking about the next great place that God has for me. I'm complaining about the journey getting there. So this you sucks. The whole thing. This is you horrible. The whole thing. I missed the whole thing. Just You're focused in the rearview mirror, mirror yeah. instead of through the windshield. Just like the Israelites. Yep. And I agree with him. That is the biggest one. Is that idea. Of adversity. We've got to get rid of so, that. Because in that, it is one of the main indicators of my faith that God will provide. And I was going to say, for those parents out there that are listening, your children mm-hmm. need to know how to handle adversity in right. life. I think that that's where so many problems come with suicide and everything else is because they don't know how to handle adversity. Right. And and so you can you either enter into it with a sense of expectation and a sense of knowing that God will provide in the end. And he knows what you need. Right. He knows best. And, and not falling into the trap of in believing that it will make adversity better because it doesn't always make adversity better. Or he's going to take it away. Right. Because that's not what happens. Right. Getting rid of that is indicative of what those two of the the writers of the minority report said. If the Lord is pleased with us, this is going to be a great place, and He's going to be, our faith is going to be strong, and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's what it is. Uh, at the end of each chapter, He has a, um, a a part that's called "Look Up." And and we're going to share it here at the at the end because it's basically a prayer. But he talks a little bit about uh, this the solution of of this complaining attitude, and really the solution then will come next week. Yes. Because we're going to replace that complaining attitude. Are we telling them with what? I don't know. Do you want to? I'll bait them just a little bit, but don't give them the word. Thankful. <laughs> That's the word. You gotta replace that complaining attitude with a thankful attitude. Absolutely. And it's just what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. This complaining about adversity. Oh, life is so hard. This stinks. Well, you know, replacing it with the idea of I have life. Uh, I'm still ticking. A breath. I'm still breathing. I can do your. God's will. got something for me. I don't know what it is. Yes, I acknowledge this stinks right now. I'm not happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, that type of thing. But um, but God's got something for me. Absolutely. God's got something for me. And so it changes that whole idea of this idea of really the murmuring and the grumbling and the complaining with a sense of a- anticipation hope. and expectation hope. and hope yes. that something's coming. 
And that's what we try and that's what we're going to. That's where you find your joy back. Yeah, that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to talk about how do I take this crummy attitude of complaining, which we all have, and replace it with an attitude of thankfulness. And the worst possible thing that can happen right now is for you to lie to yourself as you're listening, saying, I'm not a complainer, and I'm all full of thankfulness. (laughs) If you think that to yourself, then you're lying to yourself. Now, you may have a degree... And some people have more than others. Right. But deep down, rooted in the very basics of our humanity, we are complainers. Yes. And we are unthankful. It's built in us in every one of us. Yeah. We we have that. Yeah. And And so don't knock yourself out saying you're bad and you're the only one. Exactly. You are just like everybody else. What we're saying is, come and join us. Yes. Because we're in the same boat. Uh, we're all in the same crowd. We've got to figure out how we change this lousy attitude of complaining, which James McDonald in his book, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late, talks about being a sin, hurting ourselves, hurting God, hurting others, leading into anger and bitterness and depression. Yes. We've got to get rid of that and pull in this idea of thankfulness. Now, the worst possible thing we can do, as you listen, is to somehow make this sound simple. <laughs> because it is not. You, it, you have to remember that. You have to remember that. It's, he, ends his, he ends this chapter with a look up. I'm going to read it. And it's much like a prayer. But it's great because all of them start with the say it in a sentence and all of them end with the look up. He says, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you revealed yourself to me as you truly are. Thank you for directing your holy, righteous anger at my complaining and how that keeps me from you. Thank you, Lord, that you not only love me, but you hate my complaining in the way that it makes my life like a desert. In this moment, I ask that you would make me very aware of what I say and what I think, keep the connection strong between how I deal with my circumstances and the joy that I experience. Forgive me for complaining, not just because of how it affects our relationship, but how it affects my relationships with those I love. Give me grace and faith to embrace the trials. You allow knowing what is best for me is always upon your heart. Please teach me not to complain, and even as I look to this next chapter, teach me to put on the life-giving, joy-producing attitude that goes in its place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I I really like those because it it encapsulates and and summarizes the chapter. Exactly. Uh, But that's what we're going to be doing next week. Join us Fridays and Friday mornings, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio for Becoming Christ. Like next week, we're going to get rid of that horrible, rotten, complaining attitude, and we're going to replace it with thankfulness. And I'm going to issue everybody a challenge Uh-oh. next week, so you better... Is it a snowball challenge? Hey, Pat, snow- yeah. challenge. <laughs> We're challenging Patty Sheen right now go. to do a virtual snowball fight. I don't know what we have to have it here, though. Yeah, what's the challenge? <laughs> the challenge is to get a notebook out ah, and nice. write down... Five things that you are thankful for every day. Yeah. That way, when you go to bed at night, mm-hmm. you have a thankful heart when you lay your head on your pillow. 
Mm-hmm. It will help your dreams. Mm-hmm. And when you wake up in the morning, read them again, and you start your day in a thankful mood. A little thankful journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, get that going. Make sure you also follow uh, Becoming Christlike and Christlike Today, the Facebook and the Twitters. Going to be great things on attitude, great things it on thankful. totally focused on this book. Yeah. James McDonald's, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. I'm Derek. Uh, that's Dawn. Jimbo's in the producer's booth. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. Encourage you to listen every Friday morning, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, to Becoming Christ, like right here on Blog Talk Radio. We want to encourage you as you begin to, to change your attitude, uh, to look to God, to pray to God, that each and every day you will become more and more Christ-like. God bless. God bless. Oh